All right. And welcome to the Department of Metal Antiquities. Where we remember what everyone else has forgotten. As always, it is Nick Cameron of Glacial Musical, and I am joined by my good friend and the musical man about the world, Duncan Evans. How are you doing today? Hey, hey, I am not doing bad. I have hay fever, which I believe you guys just refer to as allergies, um, but that's fine. Um, it's uh, We've had a bit of a heat wave here, which uh, is not really what you guys would call a heat wave. We've been in some parts of the UK, we've been all the way up to the mid 30s, but around here where I am, it's been like mid 20s, which um, for us feels like really hot and we're sweating all over the place. But uh, this yeah. evening, I'm actually going to an outdoor theater, uh, oh, wow. the, a very prestigious outdoor theater in uh, St. Louis, the only one we have. That's why it's prestigious. But it, it's over 100 years old. So, and nice. I, I'm very sunburned, and I'll explain that in a minute. And because everyone can see it. <laughs> and I, uh, I almost pulled out. And my wife said, it, one, it's Father's Day. We want you to be there. Two, this is going to be the nicest night at the Muni all season. It's going to get up to, it's going to be 81 at showtime, which 81 is about 22, I believe. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I mean, I'm looking at that going, oh, my God, that's going to be so lovely. But yeah. uh, the reason why I'm sunburned, it is Father's Day as we record this. So hopefully you've had a wonderful and amazing first Father's Day. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's been cool. Nice to nice to get some cards and all that, all that good stuff. So yeah, absolutely. We we celebrated yesterday. So yesterday was Father's sure. Day Observe. And here's so I was told I had to be out of the house all day. Okay, right. Yesterday. So, I was so there were very preparations specific. going on, basically. Correct. I was told very specifically call Chris go fishing. Right, right. So we did, and I brought my sunscreen, and I applied my sunscreen three times. Right, and uh, I still burned like a like a potato. So wowza, you need a higher factor, man. We we I am. It was fifty. Okay, fine. Yeah, factor fifty is about as high as it goes. So yeah, sure. Yeah, well, you need a new brand of sun cream, sunscreen. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to use that one anymore. And so I've been like lathering up with aloe to try to make this feel better. And it's not, I am not feeling any better. Uh, you're going to peel. I will peel. I, I Well, uh, no, I don't think I'm going to peel this time. Okay. I, that's good. I have peeled in the past where it to a really disgusting degree that I'm not going to get into. Yeah. Peeling's but, bad. I've not, I've not, I don't know if I've ever actually peeled. I'm quite careful being naturally ginger. I'm very sensitive. I don't really tan. I just burn. So same. I, well, and I, I come from a family and... of gingers, you know, my family yeah, comes yeah. from Northern Scotland where <laughs> yeah, heat wave is 15. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, yeah. 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 So I'm, I'm really used to that and hopefully it doesn't peel, but. The reason why we had to celebrate Father's Day yesterday was because one of the surprises they got me was creating an outdoor, we now have an outdoor movie screen and projector. Oh, nice. Yes. That's very so cool. The whole trick was we were watching a movie and then when the sun went down, she said, let's, this screen's not big enough. Follow me. Right. And we went outside to, so we've got a, probably about a six foot diagonal screen. Oh, nice. Maybe even bigger. I'm not sure. But uh, I, and so today I actually started, one of the things that a lot of people don't know about me is I love football, like the American version, uh-huh. but I hate the, the brand because I hate the NFL because they stole two teams from us, literally stole teams from us to the point where the NFLs had to pay us back a billion dollars for 
What, St. Louis? Yeah. All right. I won't watch the NFL, so I watched the Canadian Football League, and I decided this, okay. I'm going to do Canadian football slightly different, but it's mm-hmm. very similar. So I decided I was going to do a Canadian football party because Super Bowl parties in America are like the big thing. Yep. So I decided I'm going to do a Canadian football championship party. And I actually sent out the invites today on Facebook. Uh, sorry, I didn't invite you because it's a bit of a go, but you're more than welcome. <laughs> and because it's gonna, it's now gonna be outside with a fire pit. It's in, it's in November, so right. it's it's the Sunday before Thanksgiving, I believe, American Thanksgiving anyway. So it should be perfect. It should be about 45, 50 degrees, and the sun will go down at four o'clock. It'll yeah, be great. <clears throat> nice. To watch the whole thing outside. Fantastic. Sounds great. All right. So, um, what are we talking about today? Yes, um, we got off topic there. We are talking about we are finally doing some ACDC content because what one of the things about this podcast and our our brand and our our nomenclature or brief as Duncan puts it, whatever you want to call it. One of the things I am led to believe that every band that you love, that ever, that is loved universally, has albums like this that we can find. Yeah, pretty much, man, pretty much. Uh, as in other projects featuring some of the key members, but that not many people know about. Correct. And here we have one I didn't even know existed until a week and a half ago when somebody sent me a video. We are talking about Brian Johnson's first band, Geordie. Yes, which I did know about, but I had never heard. Um, so I don't know if you know what the word Geordie means. Um, I know it's something about people in the country. Okay, right. I better explain this. Essentially, and I might even get some of this wrong because... Okay, so in the UK, like where you have... Um, you have different accents in the US, like you have the Southern accent and you have like the New York accent mm-hmm. and things like that. And I know a bit about a bit about that. But in the UK, it's more than that in that you can drive for like half an hour and the accent has changed. And not only the accent, but lots of the dialect has changed as well. Um, and, you know, there's there's always some people who don't kind of fit into that anymore who are I, I don't know who, who who I guess take a, a, a influenced by more modern stuff and globalization and all that but seriously like I, I taught in a school um in Barnsley which is like half an hour 40 minutes drive away and some of the stuff that the students were saying and like the caretakers were saying when they were locking up the school and whatever I couldn't understand what they were saying sometimes I had to say sorry what what does that mean? And they had to like translate into right. it's, standard it's, English. It's like that scene in Hot Fuzz where they have you ever seen Hot Fuzz? Yeah, I have. I can't remember. Yeah, I can't remember it all. But yeah, I've where, seen it. Yeah. So it's it's Nicholas Angel and Nick Frost character and uh the 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 Yorkshire uh police constable with the dog. He yes, goes, he's like, Why are we bringing the dog? It's not the dog that we need. So he gets there and he says, hey, what happened? So they look. So Nick Ellis Angel looks at Frost, who looks back at the other guy, and goes, Hedge is a hedge. He doesn't see why. He says, A hedge is a hedge. He doesn't see why anybody's upset. 
exactly it's like that so okay so newcastle is a city in the northeast um tyneside newcastle upon tyne river tyne and newcastle and surrounding area has a very specific accent and i'm sure if you live there then you, you they probably think that all the accents around there are like different like whoa no don't get us confused with gateshead which is like just around the corner and all, all this stuff i love but, the yeah. name of england i love the english names they're so much better yeah so um if you're from newcastle you are a geordie basically don't ask me why where that name exactly comes from uh, but they have this very distinctive accent which i'm not going to try and do an impression of but we'll if you listen to this album there is a track where brian johnson is singing in the geordie accent which we'll get on to um and they have their own dialect as well so so that for for example just off the top of my head they're called children bands b-a-i-r-n and oh, I, that's just what? And so they'll just say like like how's how's the bands and you, when someone first said that to me like about their bands i thought they were talking about burns and i was like yeah, that's what, I what? are you saying your your child's got burnt and, and the guy was like no 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 bands like my my kids i'm just talking about my kids so um yeah so so this is what it's like so anyway you're a geordie if you are from there and this this band was from Newcastle upon time, um, started in the early 70s. Um, yes, featuring Brian Johnson. And this album was uh, from 1973. It's their first one, the debut album, and it is called Hope You Like It. Um, yeah, so um, what do you have in terms of background on this then? Well, I mean, there's not, I mean, I wish there was more, but there's not a whole lot on this band. They, you know, they were, they were formed in 1972. Brian Johnson, obviously, along with Vic Malcolm, Tom Hill, and Brian Gibson on guitar, bass, and drums, respectively. They had a single come out. They dropped a single that hit the top 40 called Don't Do That, charted in December 72. In March of 73, they released their, they released this album. They were considered to be a British glam metal, or not glam, a, a glam, glam rock. rock, glam yeah. rock, yeah. You know, coming up, going after Slade and Sweet and that kind of stuff. And I think they did some stuff with both Slade and Sweet. So yeah, they correct. supported Slade on a tour, and then they supported Sweet at a, a big gig in London in '73. So yeah, that's what they were going for. And then uh, they also they got a hit, interestingly enough, on that song you were talking about. Uh, Jordy lost his leg. Jordy lost his leggy. Yes, I believe the title of the song was. It is Jordy's lost his leggy. Yes, is that a lighter? No, a leggy. Okay, I oh. had to look this up. I had no idea. This is what I mean, man. This is what you, like <laughs> I wouldn't have a clue. Leggy is a type of marble. So apparently the song Geordie's Lost His Liggy is also um, sometimes called Geordie. In fact, it's sometimes called War W-O-R. I don't even know what that means, but this is this is Geordie dialect. War Geordie's Lost His Penka. I was slightly doing a very mild Geordie accent there um, very badly. But anyway, Penka, they'd say. Penka. P-E-N-K-A. So basically the penka is like the big marble that you flick oh, at the smaller marbles, which are known as the liggies. So there's different versions of this traditional song. We call uh, the big ones the shooter. 
Yeah, I don't even know what we normally call it. Penka and Liggy, I don't think that's a standard name for either of them. I think that's a Geordie thing. Um, so, but yeah. So there we go. So that's what that's about. He's lost um, one of his marbles. Um, yeah. So what's also interesting is that all the songs, at least on this album, are written by um, Mr. Malcolm. What's his name? Is it Vic Malcolm? I think it's Vic Malcolm. Yes, Vic Malcolm. So the lead guitar yeah. player wrote all the songs. So the lyrics, everything, uh, apart from that cover, of course. Um, so... Yeah, so, which is notable. I believe, actually, that Brian Johnson doesn't write any or certainly or not many of the lyrics in ACDC. I think that I believe the young Young. Yeah. Yes, I believe I the think young that's right. Yeah, so when you compare the lyrics of Bon Scott and Brian Johnson, I think, actually, it's all the same lyricist. I think it's all um, Angus Young or the Young Brothers. So... Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's not a whole lot of other history on it, but essentially they kind of um, they didn't reach huge success, but they they reached decent enough success and carried on. I think the lineup changed a few times. Um, and I think in the late 70s, it all started to fall apart. I think um, Johnson left in 1976 to and then pursue a solo career. Yeah. I don't know what he did with that. I have never, nothing. I don't know if nothing. Right. Well, there we go. But then at some point he got the call to um, replace Bon Scott in, in ACDC around, uh, well, they released the first album in 1980 with, with that lineup. Now, I guess part of what led to that was that um, in the early seventies, Jody toured Australia regularly, mm-hmm. says Wikipedia and gained a solo, a solid following in Newcastle, New South Wales, due to the Newcastle connection. And that Geordie's lost his Liggy song apparently gained some popularity in airplay. Yeah, that in was Newcastle, Australia. a hit. Yeah. Which the whole time, and I should save this for later, but the whole time I'm listening to that and I'm reminded of the last song uh, on Disraeli Gears by Cream when they're all singing in that really terrible Cockney. A mother yes. was washing her uh, baby one time. Yeah. My baby has fallen down the plug hole. Yes, I know. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's that. It's the same thing. It's they're going back to a traditional song from that particular area of the UK, and then they're exaggerating the uh, that they they they're hamming it up basically. I so. I, I gotta say that the the dialects in England are so varied, so much more varied than they are here. Well, this is it. And like I say, it's um, it's incredible um, how quickly they change. Like you can you really can drive down the road for half an hour and and it's all different, um, both accent and certain words. Like, for example, another example in Newcastle. So there's a thing called a stotty cake, which essentially is like a, a bread roll. Would you call it like a like a kind of burger bath type of bread, basically? Okay, um, a bun. And the stot the stotty, yeah, bun, exactly. A bun. Now the stotty cake it is slightly different. Like if again, a Newcastle person from Newcastle, a Geordie would be saying, What do you mean? It's not a bun, it's a completely different entity entirely. But basically, if you went there and asked for a stotty cake, they know exactly what you mean. If you went to someone in Leeds, where I live, and asked for a stotty cake, they'd be like, No, they might have heard of it, but they'd be like, No, that's we don't do that. What are you talking about? Um, so yeah, it's incredible. I like Newcastle is only like what an hour and a half, two hours drive from where I am. Um, 
so everywhere yeah. just a two-hour drive from where you, you are yeah i mean yeah we're pretty much bang we're in the north of england but if you look at the actual uk including scotland at the you know in the very north mm-hmm. we're pretty much bang in the middle so yeah you can pretty much get to most places within like three or four hours um yeah, yeah. three four hours for me and i can't even hit the next major city exactly yeah exactly so so it is it is crazy um but yeah the classic one is why i man they say why i man that's that's like you know that the stereotypical um geordie phrase um which which what does it even mean i think it just is kind of a greeting just why i man like hello kind of thing oh, and, and, um, and in some places in, in the states people say tell you what right right and that's that's just tell you what and that's yeah. the whole thing Sure. Uh, here, sure. In, but in the Midwest, we say "ope." Ope. Ope. Okay. Which like, means it's like whoop whoop. Let me just get past you there. Okay. Right, okay. Uh, I'm with you. I'm with you. It doesn't mean anything. We just say it all the time. <laughs> and Fair I enough. actually only recently learned that other people said that. Right. We, we don't say it loudly. We just kind of in in the Midwest, we're very different from the whole rest of the country. We uh-huh. don't have the Yankiness of the North. We don't have the laid backness of the West. We don't have the self-importance of the East Coast. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know, they were first, so they're they're very important over that. And they're the East Coast is also a lot more like Europe in the way that everything's much closer together than it is once mm-hmm. you get past Ohio. Yeah, yeah. And we don't have that, you know, strong identity of the of the South. So we're just the Midwest. We're just, yeah, hope. <laughs> yeah, fair enough, man. Fair enough. So, yeah. So basically, they they petered out. Um, did the band later on? I believe in two thousand and one, during an ACDC hiatus, Brian Johnson um, reunited with the seventy-seven to eighty Geordie lineup, which I think was didn't originally feature him. I believe. But he yeah, because he left in '76. Exactly. So he reunited with them and um, performed a load of rock cover versions, and they called it Geordie Two. So there you go. Um, and then they they also brought it back again in 2018. That's right, without Brian Johnson and with Steve Dawson from Saxon. They also had one album. Let's see. There, no there sweat were... from eight, from eighty three without Brian Johnson was. Well, then there was another one after that in eighty six. So Jordy, but except it was called they they called uh, Powerhouse. Powerhouse. Yes. So, uh, okay, so Johnson was in the band on their last album in seventy eight. Okay, so he was there. A little yeah, in seventy eight he was. So he must have left and then come back. Oh, but he's confused. only on We're some of the. He's only on ah, half of the tracks. So they probably must have re. Oh yes, it consisted of three unreleased tracks with Johnson, and new material recorded by Malcolm with Future Dire Straits keyboardist Alan Clark. That feels a lot like the. Um, the what's it called? What's the guy from Free? Uh, Paul Kossoff album that we did the other the other week. Oh, like, Backstreet Crawler. What can I cobble together? <laughs> what can I? I've got an old track from seven years ago that wasn't good enough then, but yeah, it'd be good enough now. Um, yeah, so. that, that that probably was that. And the thing about Jordy is, it just seems they just never they just never really got hooked. They, no, they. Established. That's what I'm looking for. No, exactly. They had a few sort of um, brushes with the mainstream, but they never reached that level of success. It seems like they had a fairly consistent kind of 
um, regional following in various different regions kind of around the world. But um, I don't know, it feels to me like they were more of a pub band that did a few records that managed to just brush with the mainstream. And it was re really a live thing. Is what, that's what it feels like to me. For you really know, about. and as we discuss the track by track and we're as we're inching closer to that. Yes. I do think that what you're saying makes a whole lot of sense right now. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, yeah, I thought the same. Um, well, okay. Well, shall we, shall we roll into this then and go? Sure. Go with I, uh, I don't have the tracks written down, so if you've got them written down, I'll ask you to call them out. But okay. The we, first we, thing I'm going to say before we get into it is, it is very obvious that this band did not have an album in their mind when they went in to record this. I think you're right. Yeah, I think you're right. Or they'd written the songs not without the album in mind, and then the album was just the songs they already had. Right. What I mean together. is they when they went in to record it, they weren't thinking of okay, this track goes here and that track goes there. And oh, I it, see what you mean. It's like a collection of singles almost. Like it, this is a bunch of songs, right? Yeah, yeah. You're absolutely a bunch right. of unrelated songs. In many ways, yeah, I agree with you. Okay, so the first track, um, and I don't know, this is absolutely um revolutionary and innovative the title of the track keep on rocking um oh. so <laughs> do you want to start on this one or i'll start on keep on rocking because you know i love <laughs> rocking and i love continuing to do the what the thing that i'm doing at that moment i always want to keep doing it forever so this is right on i'm just alley. gonna say i'm just gonna say when neil young does keep on rocking in the free world that's cool no it isn't because that's like Hey, we're we're kind of doing the cliche, but we're also subverting the cliche. This, eh, don't know. Uh, anyway, you know what? Stuff. Okay, I'll give you that. He's subverting the cliche, and he's also telling everybody else to who's not in the free world to get free, and you can rock with us. Exactly. Yeah. The song is All crap, right. but I like the idea. I actually like the song, but we'll I don't on. like Neil Young. It's not. I'm sorry. Okay. It's not crap. He's a quality quality guy and a quality singer i just hate everything he does fair enough i love most of what i mean he's done so much he's he's done some terrible stuff yeah but i mean he's, he's one of those people that put out about as many records as johnny cash so exactly he's got about I've, I've got about 20 of them and i don't feel like i really know his back catalog if you see what i mean so yeah anyway, johnny cash i've got about 30 yeah. anyway so sure. let's this roll one this one starts off. You immediately know that is Brian Johnson, later of ACDC, kicking it. And that's amazing. His vocals are great. He doesn't quite have that sneer, that scratch that he, that he has when it comes to Back in Black. But this is a lot more... If, we, if you go back to when we did Samson... Um, yeah. This is a much, this is so much closer to Brian Johnson than that Bruce was, Bruce. than that, than Bruce Bruce was to Bruce Dickinson. I think you're right. Yeah. And yeah. it's a, it's a boogie track. He's singing about absolutely nothing. Uh, as we, as we determined, as we determined, Vic is the one writing the lyrics and Vic has precisely nothing in this world to say. Yeah, I think you're about right. Yeah. But pretty good opening track. Yeah, I mean, look, okay, the first thing that hit me was okay, the production's really nice. Mm -hmm, this mm -hmm. is kind of punchy, it's tight. There's a little bit of a really nice delay on the vocals. The next thing was okay, this is quite poppy. 
like that delay on the vocals it's a 70s pop thing this was that's how you um mix elton john's voice rather than how you mix like a hard rock singer's voice um but you're absolutely right the singing itself yeah very screamy um very bluesy and actually i thought you know what this actually sounds like bon scott a bit and you think yeah you can see why acdc would have got into touch with this guy because immediately mm-hmm. like there weren't many singers like that back then like we've got to remember that the whole screamy singers thing sure there was um mr plant and there was mr gillen from deep purple but it wasn't until like the mid 80s that that became the absolute everybody was doing the screamy ah! thing um in like 1979 i guess there weren't loads and you're not exactly going to ring up um Robert Plant and say, do you want to come join ACDC? Because he'd tell you where to go and it wouldn't be very, very nice. But you know but, what? He um, might have joined because that would have been the right time. Yeah, well, yeah, it would have been the right time. You're right. I just don't think he would have done it um, personally. Um, he probably he, wouldn't have, but he might have done it for a record, like one record. Yeah, I just tour. think he, he would have found it too. He's kind of, I know that a lot of Robert Plant's lyrics are completely silly and ridiculous, but he's kind of serious about it in a way that I just can't see him being there with like Angus Young taking his trousers off and having the, you know, the whatever it is, the the Union Jack flag um, underpants on and all, all the... And the big, like the, you know, the, the what's it called? Um, whole lot of Rosie with the big inflatable. Mm-hmm. I just can't no, see. You, I think you'd say, no, I'm not. You doing are that. absolutely correct. I just want to say that before I say what I'm about to say. <laughs> but I feel like the fact that they didn't call him, we could. I mean, I'm picturing, I'm daring to dream back in black, but with Robert Plant singing it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. You never know. Yeah. And the other thing is as well, I reckon by even 1980, he would have struggled to hit those high notes Um, back in 1968. Not sure he could do it all, but I reckon by 80, he was already kind of getting towards that more restrained, slightly lower voice. All right. All right. right. Anyway, we we need to get past that. Yes. Yeah. So look, it's it's very T-Rex. It's it's very Slade. Mm-hmm. It's like poppy, bluesy, moderately heavy rock, radio friendly. Like yes, hard enough to be friendly. called hard rock, but not but definitely not heavy metal. There's some really great guitarists. This um Vic bloke, Vic Malcolm, he can really play. And I really like the groove of it. The whole band, in fact, can play. Um it's got this kind of restraint about it, which I really like. Um, they're not quite going for it on 11. They're going for it on like seven or eight and just keeping it like in that ZZ Top way, where it's just that little bit laid back, that little bit behind the beat. Mm-hmm. And I like it. But what I will say is, it's look, there's absolutely nothing new here whatsoever. It's got a nice chorus hook, but it's like, you know, keep on rocking. Yeah, we've heard it a zillion times, even in 1972. And I would say somehow, even though it's not very long, by the end of it, I was thinking, can you just check? It's three minutes, 19, but somehow it outstayed its welcome. It's like, yeah, I've heard this chorus now, do something else. So it's quite good, but it's not certainly not groundbreaking. Yeah, yeah, I I would. I I think you've basically nailed that. This song is. It, it sound it sounds like the first song a band has ever released. Yeah, yeah, it's, and it sounds like a, it sounds like a song released by a band full of twelve year olds. <laughs> yeah, it's like what do you? Why do you? Why do you form a band? Because we want to keep rocking. Yeah, yeah. You see, so, that was acceptable in the early seventies, wasn't it? But anyway, so okay, number two, 
give you till Monday. So this is more of a straight driving groove. I would say it's a bit like humble pie. And what I started to notice here, and this is going to become a running theme, is that I kept, apart from Slade and T-Rex, I kept going back to 60s bands as the references, like late 60s bands, Humble Pie. And then we'll see as we go on, I've got a lot more late 60s bands. And it's like, mm, okay, where are you coming from here? And what is it that you're trying to do? Um, so look, there's some cool, me- I've written cool melodies and nice, and I've, re- I've not written what was nice. So there was some cool melodies and something was nice. But anyway, um, but look, I, think I wrote nice- something was nice too. Yeah, I think there were some quite nice riffs. And there's a cool middle eight with some slightly, or whatever you want to call it, um, bridge with some nice darker riffs. And then a nice kind of psych, I'm saying nice far too much. But anyway, psychedelic guitar solo. Um, it's pretty good, but it's nothing new. And I, I couldn't help feeling, and again, I'm afraid this might become a running theme. All the pieces are there, but and the vocals are great, 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 great. But somehow it's just not, quite getting me and i sometimes can't actually put my finger on why it's not getting me it just feels a bit vanilla it's like all the pieces are there they're doing it really well the band's great the vocals are great but it's just all a bit vanilla and eh, don't know it's hard to transport yourself back to 1972 but i feel like even in 72 this had been done a lot as i said earlier i definitely i wrote nice as well but i finished my thought I wrote nice baseline, ah, which I think this is probably the only time on this whole album where I would say that there's a significant baseline worth mentioning. There maybe were others, but I didn't hear them. There were some wonderful little sprinkly bits of lead guitar all over this. Brian Johnson is singing really, really well now. But as we, as you stated so wonderfully, there's nothing new about this record so far. There is nothing interesting under the sun when it comes to, am I going to go spend the money to buy this? Now, if I'm down at the pub, tying on a couple uh, extra special bidders, and these guys are up on the little stage in the corner, yeah, I'm going to be really having a great time. Totally. I think I said that somewhere else. Yeah, Nuki Brown, Newcastle Brown Ale, that's the one. Apparently, oh yeah oh yeah yeah that's oh you have that over there as well oh yeah wow okay right that's that's got around then yeah yeah so there you go yeah next you're going to tell me you don't have budweiser over there we do have budweiser i'm sorry you have budweiser over there yeah yeah well we also have there's that budavar thing the original one which is a lot nice we can get that now we can get that here oh that's good that's actually quite nice Uh, Um, it's actually quite a bit better than budweiser (laughs) it is yeah yeah totally but okay you know, so, yeah. It's so so right now we're we're having we're we're getting into an extraordinarily well played record, but not a very well written record. Yeah, good point. I'm just looking at who produced it actually. Just, oh yeah, Ellis Elias and Roberto Danova, who is uh yeah, he's he's definitely sort of a known figure. I don't know. More for pop, I think. More for pop than uh, anything Well, that else. would explain the sound, wouldn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah. But they definitely knew what they were doing, production-wise. Oh, yeah. Wow. This is just to... Sorry, I know we're kind of going Go out of track by track here, but this was on EMI. So this was released on a big record label. They saw something we did not. Yeah. I think... Yeah, that's interesting. Anyway, anyway, so... What is yeah. track three called? 
All right, track three. This is your turn, isn't it? It's called yep. Hope You Like It. This is the, uh, the title track. track. Indeed, yes. Well, that would explain the extraordinarily large, grandiose vocal opening where everyone in the band is singing along with Brian Johnson and they're harmonizing oh so well. And my thought process quickly goes to, did Brian Johnson not sing every song on this album? And then it goes into these you know dark slinky riffs and it's like okay now i really this is i think this is the time where i really saw why brian johnson would be plucked later because they were playing acdc kind of music without even knowing acdc because this is i think this is before yeah this is before acdc started and they're on the other side of the yeah. other side of the world too so and and he's singing and he's doing that Full on Brian Johnson squeal, and it's great. This this is a good song. It's it's mm-hmm. the best song so far. Sure, sure. Well, yeah. So, um, oh yeah. Just a very quick note. This EMI thing. I think that might have been that they reissued them on EMI. I think when you look, it says Red Bus when you look at the actual list oh. in the discography. And I, th- I know they recorded it at Red Bus Studio, so I think it may have been that they then later on reissued them anyway who knows i'm not i don't know but just just uh wanted to say that i don't know if they were originally on emi anyway um so you've got this anthemic kind of oh, oh, oh kind of group melody intro slash refrain it's quite good it's strong it's catchy very 60s psychedelic delays on the vocals and doors-esque like roadhouse blues um the Doors uh, song, Roadhouse Blues, that kind when of When you shuffle. said Roadhouse Blues, I was thinking you meant the Patrick Swayze film for a second. No, no. The, the, the but you Doors meant the really song. great the... song by The Doors. Yeah, totally. So it gets a bit more bombastic in the chorus. And the vocals, yes, you're right, they are great. And he is doing the full-on um, Brian Johnson thing. But it's still reminiscent of more 60s acts, like 10 years after. Like, you've got all these bluesy lead guitar riffs. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You get a lot of, like, 12-bar blues chords later, the turnaround chords. Yeah, exactly. It's that type. It doesn't... Yeah, exactly. It's not quite on a 12-bar yet, but it it nearly could be. Um, It's decent and it's catchy. I do like it. Somehow, again, somehow it's not quite fully grabbing me. Somehow something's a little bit stayed about it. I don't know if it's that they just don't put in as many dynamic changes as I would want or or what it is, but something's not quite grabbing me, but the vocals are great and it's a catchy song. I can't knock the um the, the melody and the uh the songwriting. Yeah, it, it it what what this is is basically you've got one guy destined for the major leagues playing with a bunch of minor leaguers. And the, the reason why why Jordy never gets big is readily apparent. It's yeah, I feel like the, the strange thing, yeah, I think it is the song, but the strange thing is they're actually pretty catchy and yeah. I can't always put my finger on why they're, they're not They're really quite catchy fair. while you're listening to them. Yeah. But you, I, let me rephrase. They were really catchy while I was listening to them and I completely forgot them 20 minutes after I turned it off. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. Maybe there's something um, almost a bit, what's the word, almost a bit bubblegum about them in the sense that this is, they don't go deep. They're a bit surface level. Yes, maybe. They're very, very shallow. 
And I think I think all of these players could have done major league stuff, but I think it's yeah, you're right. It's the songwriting. They needed um, uh, an Angus Young, uh, yeah, an Angus Young yeah. to come in and, uh, and and do the songs. Because so, you know, as, as great as Brian Johnson is, he doesn't write. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Well, track four. Don't do that. So I believe this was a single. Mm-hmm. Um, so this, I really like this song. This is. But again, I'm going to go back to a 60s band. It really reminds me of Canned Heat. It's another bluesy shuffle. It's faster. Um, and you've got these jangling, very bluesy, less rock, um, less hard rock, more bluesy um, 60s guitars. The vocals are a bit more restrained in places, but he does scream a bit. Um, it's good. It's catchy. There's some great dynamics in this one as well, uh, which I liked. And there's some really interesting melodic guitar refrains, which actually, and I thought for the first time, I thought I've not heard anyone quite do that. The way he was using this kind of major pentatonic type of melody over a very bluesy canned heat backing, it kind of worked. And they do the hey gang box, the gang vocals, everybody going hey, hey, like not quite in a punk way, but that type of thing in a a very poppy way. Um, Look, it's nothing mega new, but there is a bit more in originality than I've heard so far. I thought this was the strongest song yet. So I liked this one. All right. I'm going to go ahead and go ahead and disagree with everything you just said. Fine. But, uh, you know, for me, no, there's one thing. I, I agree. But I took this back to a 60s band as well. But for okay. me, it was not canned heat. I chose the Yardbirds. Interesting. Yeah, I can see that. This is very much reminds me of songs like Train Kept Rolling by the Yardbirds and Ten Years Gone by the Yardbirds. And did they have a song called Ten Years Gone? Maybe did they not? That's a Led Zeppelin song, but it might oh, it might it? have been a yard, yeah, but well, I mean Led Zeppelin, Yardbirds, whatever. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. There, there was a song, and I was thinking of the song that Jeff Beck and Jimmy Page both played years on, both played lead on. Was it Ten uh... Years? Thought it was ten years. Ago. I, I, I'm not sure. It could easily have been. It's the sort of thing that Jimmy Page would do. Just like take, take that, uh, take the take title. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I, could, I, I don't know, man. But that's oh, what it happenings, reminds me. Of. Happenings ten years time ago. I was close. I had yeah, ten I years. Just googled right it. Yeah, there we go. And it's got oh, Jeff okay. Beck and Jimmy Page. Down yeah, it's the only Yardbird so song with both of them. Right on lead. Sure. So, because he Jimmy played, I think for most of his recording time in in Yardbirds, he played bass. Yeah, good point. Yeah, I'd forgotten that, but you're absolutely right. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it, it, for me, this song is it's another, the, the identity crisis is continuing, which for a pub band makes, that's a that's a selling point. You know, if people aren't getting into the heavy rock stuff, you go, oh, well, here's a little flower power psychedelia. Oh, that's not getting it. Well, let's, you know, we've all been down so long, so let's play some blues. Mm-mm-mm. And that, that's just how it's been this whole time. Yeah, yeah. No, I, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. So, okay, track five, All Because of You. Yeah, this is when when I wrote down, it's clear to the keen, it is clear to the keen observer that this band did not have an album in mind when they went into the studio. They went into the studio with all of these songs that don't sound like each other and do not match and do not connect. Yeah. That's all it is. Oh, that's all you got to say. Right. Okay. 
Um, yeah, I thought this might have been a single, but now I don't think it is. That when I watched this on the uh, the playlist, two of the tracks had videos, but it was clear from the the first video, which was this, I thought might have been an actual official video because it featured the band playing live so you could see what they look like and it's interesting that brian johnson looks nothing like, like you wouldn't even recognize him as brian johnson yeah i saw them um, when i suggested this out this band to you a friend of mine sent me a video from them from like 1974 and then they were like in you know brian johnson's hat was not there he was not wearing a t-shirt He's got these big sideburns, we call them. Do you call them sideburns? The yes, big, we do. Uh, right, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, the big sideburns, and he's they're all wearing, like, these velvet outfits, and it it looks like the, the stuff that Slade said, no, we're not going to wear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. So they got it on the show. So, so I thought this might have been a single, but I don't think it was. But anyway, so you've got this weird psychedelic effect right at the start where one of the vo- the words that he sings just before it all kicks in kind of goes, oh, and goes around the universe with a weird squeakiness. Um, no one so anyway, that. no one needs that. No, it's very glam rock. It's very, this is 70s pop. This is early 70s pop. There's quite a lot of blues in there, but it's catchy early 70s pop. It's quite good, but I found it very throwaway. Um, they have this, hey, 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 gang vocal thing but it's not done in a punky way or anything like that it's very cheesy and they've got that they do the the classic ah which is a um dominant oh this is the one where it sounded like shout yeah and and like that was a really big thing in the kind of early 60s really um every Loads of twist tracks and shout right start yeah exactly most famously twist and shout and then you've got this really upbeat guitar melody that's a bit too um what it's almost like a children's TV thing, you know, it's like that type of thing. It's not that, but you know. Um look, it is catchy and you can tell what they're trying to do, and I think they do it quite well. But yeah, this is where I started to think the same thing as you, where they're going for it's like they're a blues band, but they're going, no, we can't really do blues because that's, yeah, everyone's done blues. We've got to be more popular than that. We've got to appeal to a mass mainstream audience. So let's do some really poppy songs and then, ha, ah, let's let's do a psychedelic thing because even though it's 1972 or three, for some reason, let's do a psychedelic thing. And then let's do, they're taking it in different directions. And you can tell that underneath they're, they're, they're kind of, they're well-versed in the blues. But um, they're, they're I would say they're well versed in everything. Yeah, pro- yeah, probably, probably. Um, so yeah, I don't know, man. This was is catchy, but it just feels too throwaway for me, and it feels like a bit of a sellout thing in a way. That's um, what I mean. While we're saying a lot of the same things, and that's mm-hmm. that's unfortunate. <laughs> okay, well, look. Old Time Rocker is track six, the last track on side one. So this is like acoustic guitar-led, bluesy kind of rock and roll. Um, look, it is pretty good. They do it well. There is nothing new at all here. Like, he affects an Elvis-style vocal in places, and he's got an old-school spring reverb on the vocals, and the backing vocals even do shooby doo up. Um Look, the lead guitars are really expertly executed. They're reminding me a bit of when Jimmy Page plays that rock and rolly blues stuff. Um, 
on like on uh, hot dog that one i believe that song is called hot dog it is hot dog yeah um and yeah and then right at the end it goes into a slow blues with that classic classic blues ending type of thing and it's fine but it's all is it fine it's like why the thing is i can't work out why they're doing it like it's a it's hard to work i guess it's one of those that's we go back to the pub idea. If this was in 1972 or three in a pub in Newcastle, it would be good fun, I'm sure. And it's it's almost like you're, you're that covers band. It's almost like they're a covers band, but instead of doing covers, they just write their own song in the style. Like, oh, of course, we do an Elvis song. Hey, we're going to do one by Slade. Oh, we'll do a Led Zeppelin. We'll do this. But they've just written their own song that's like that style. Everything yeah, is popular that is, now. That is, that is exactly what this is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, my notes are are a little 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 light on this one. I started off with uh, it's for me. I heard country. I heard Grand Old Opry yeah. on this one for me. So which, yeah, it's that it's that type of thing. I guess the blues, rock and roll, country. There's a fine line sometimes. It, it can it, depending upon how you phrase it, it can go either way. If you play blues in a major key, you play in country. If you play rock and roll in a major key and you slow it down, you're playing country. It's, yes. You know, I mean, Johnny Cash, like, is he country? Is he rock and roll? I don't know. But no, Johnny work. Cash is metal. Okay. All right. Then. Johnny <laughs> Cash is metal before metal existed. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Nobody okay. agrees with me, but I'm going <laughs> to die on this hill. Okay. But, you know, Folsom Prison Blues, if you look at what he played on that, it is he's playing 12 bar blues. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. just playing it in a major key. He's playing it in A major instead of A minor. And then on top of that, he's playing it, you know, bouncier with a bit of a swing to it. So, yeah, exactly. but it is blues anyway. So, you know, for this, it's, you know, my, my notes were, Oh, it's country time. Sure. Why not? Let Duncan talk, but Duncan. went <laughs> first. So I uh, did not think that through, you know, this is, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to double down on this. If this is that moment in time in a, in a, in a, you know, the, the your third set of the night where, everybody's getting tired they're getting sleepy they're they're getting drunk and you got to get them up again so you play this one and i I can just picture the dancing a lot of elvis dancing a lot of you know hats going in the air people lighting up their smokes and holding up their lighters and good old times it's totally yeah and it's it's totally a throwaway because i don't remember the song at all except for what i said no, absolutely. Okay, well now we flip over to side two, and oh, uh, I guess now we're we're at that next point in the night where everyone's got a little bit tired. They don't want to jump around anymore. And um, well, anyway, this is you leading this, so I'll, oh yeah, I'll... no, you're you're absolutely oh. right. Everybody, it's you know, right old, now. No, what happened is you see your buddy sitting at the end of the bar. He points. He gives a head nod over to this girl that he's interested in. Yeah. At which yeah, point, yeah. at which point, Vic Malcolm knows. Oh, I know what song is time to play. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so this now, is called "Oh Lord," by the way. Oh Lord. Uh, I here's my entire notes. Sensitive ballad time. Everybody, right. get on the floor. Hug your sweetie. You don't got a sweetie. Go talk to Jimmy. Yeah, he's his buddy. And then he's like, "Hey, I did this for you." And now Jimmy's got a name. Now maybe Jimmy has a girlfriend. Yeah, and it it. It's getting comical how easily it is to, to 
picture the point of the night when you play these tunes. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, look, this starts with and we did not plan this ahead of time. We never plan anything no. we're going to say. No, In no, fact, no. When we talk before we start these things, we don't talk. We don't even say if we liked it. Exactly. No, absolutely true. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, look, this one also had a video from the Red Bus Studio. Oh, my God. Obviously oh, still going. And it was like a video of a guy clearly only a few years ago singing along to the track in a tent with an acoustic guitar is all very very strange and it to the point where because it didn't sound very much like brian johnson i actually had to pause that and google it search for it separately to make sure that this was actually the same there are a lot song. of songs on this album because yeah. brian the full brian johnson exists in this album yeah but not every day Exactly. And there was actually a guy that had commented underneath the uh, this particular version with the video with loads of those crying, laughing faces saying, this is not Geordie and this is definitely not Brian Johnson from ACDC. Oh, Lord, is just about right. What you know, what is this, um, you know, various expletives? Um, so, <laughs> yeah. And, and the thing is, I can see why he was saying that, because it doesn't sound like the same band it's ballady acoustic guitar arpeggios ballady vocals that sound nothing like him at all and to be honest it felt contrived and false um the I like whole album yeah is contrived and false no I, yeah i i get it um but this more so than most of it i like okay, the organ part when it came in i don't know who even played that but i like the i've called it an emotive organ but that felt kind of real to me for a minute but nah this was false emotion and then it kicks in with the full band the vocals go up an octave and it's like okay yeah it does sound like him yeah and i've written here it's not terrible but well yeah actually it's pretty terrible see that uh, okay you could have just written that for every song yeah. every song so far yeah. Has except for like a couple. Uh, which one was it? Uh, oh, um, track two. I don't. I don't have the names written down. But track two, that was a good one. It, it, it's like if they would have done the Johnny Cash thing and just done, you know, five tracks each side, write one, cover four. Yeah, these guys are yeah. probably these guys are probably a big hit. Yeah, yeah, because every song is well performed, well recorded really catchy for a minute and then you forget it because it's not deep enough yeah isn't it interesting that later on when he went when johnson went back to them and did the geordie 2 thing with the same with with the late 70s lineup they became a covers band it's like almost like he was acknowledging it like yeah we were just basically a covers band that didn't do covers so now we're just going to do covers like we should have always been doing <laughs> like we should um, have always been doing yeah so yeah no to me this felt like a token ballad like oh we got to do a ballad yes, and the vocals exactly. are a bit flat and when i say flat i mean literally they're not quite in tune it's like he's trying to sing in his ballad style and it messes his he doesn't it have it. his ability up to do it you um, tell me what your favorite Brian Johnson ballad is. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah, it, it doesn't. Yeah. I mean, ACDC. Yeah, I mean, look, Malcolm, Angus, sorry, Young. Angus Young, I think he's very, he's one of these guys that is very, very prescriptive and strict with the ACDC sound. And he's like, we do this thing and we don't mess with it. So if you're in this band, you're doing this thing and we're not messing with it. Um, so, 
so yeah, so therefore there are no Brian Johnson ballads, and that's probably a good thing. Um, Unless it's on, he did do a solo record to go back earlier when he left Jordy to start a solo career. Did he actually asked, do a record? No. You had asked me what he had done, and I said nothing. But he did do a solo record in 1982. Oh, he did? Okay. Wow, so okay. Probably should put that on the list, too. We should definitely, let's put that on the list. So that's after ACDC. Wow. Yeah. That's very interesting. Okay, well, look, track eight is called Natural Born Loser. Now, okay, so this starts with a cream-esque bluesy hard rock riff. And again, I'm noticing I'm going back to mid-60s, mid to late 60s bands again. And you oh, think it's only 1972. I know, but I still feel like they're a bit out of date. Like, you know, you've got um Black Sabbath are well into their mm. tenure. You've got Deep Purple. I just feel like eh, I see what you going, mean. I see what going, you mean. And we're also really looking does. at where are we at at this point with Leonard's with uh with, with Zeppelin? We had Houses of the Holy yet? Yeah, yeah. Bang, it's bang on that year. How, yeah, 73 was actually, um, yeah, exactly. 72 or three was Houses of the Holy. Yeah, that's it, basically. So, so yeah. basically, we're all, we're, we're at the last weekend of classic Led Zeppelin. We're about to get into latter yeah. days Led Zeppelin already. And like prog rocks going, you know, all this. Yeah, and these, and these in guys these directions. And these guys are two years ahead or two years behind yeah. original era Led Zeppelin. Yeah, it's exactly that. Exactly that. They're going back to the stuff that influenced Led Zeppelin. And you think, nah. And look, nowadays things don't move as fast as that. Nowadays, it's like something 10 years ago. It's oh yeah, that's kind of recent. But back then, you know, 62 to 65 is massive. Then 65 to 70 is huge. And then, you know, so I think to still be doing that in 72, three is a bit, yeah, a bit out of yeah, date. Good but, point. Good point. But you know what? Some good riffs. Great screamy bluesy vocals, nice chorus hook. And you know what? I thought this was actually so far the most similar to ACDC because he's got like that natural barn loser kind of hook, which that was a terrible impression of Brian Johnson. But was it you terrible? know what I mean? Like everything stops for a second. They're doing the natural barn loser. And you think that could be an ACDC song. You could just change it around a bit, get rid of the cream riff and just make it a more straight up hard rock blues riff. And you've, you've got an ACDC song there. Um, so look, all the pieces are kind of there, but they're just arranged a bit wrong. And they've got, they've got some odd pieces from the wrong jigsaw in there as well. So it doesn't quite work still, but that, like if they were, if you wanted to, if if Angus Young wasn't sure whether or not to ask Brian Johnson, you'd play him that song and go, look, come on, he's the guy that can do. Oh things. yeah, that, that I oh. think that is the perfect usage of this particular song. Yeah, even though it is the best song on this record, it uh, uh-huh. this this is when we hear Brian Johnson for the first time, completely one hundred percent and committed to it, and we don't have. Excuse me. We don't have just bog standard, pointless lyrics like in uh, tracks one through seven. Um, keep on rocking is not, you know, don't do that. You know, we have these amazing provocative song titles. Don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> so we have this one. I don't even know the name of it. It's the best song on the record. It's got a lot of cool stuff to it. However, like every song on the record, once it ended, I completely forgot it. I can yeah, only go I, back I by what that. I wrote down. And that's the problem with this band is they have, they are a cover band. They are perfect to be a cover band because they have no identity. There's no identity and they can play anything. They can go through any style. The only, right. thing they, 
The only thing they haven't done yet is jazz. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. They can play everything, but there's no identity, and they're like five to seven years out of date um, in terms of where their reference. Yeah, that's about right. And you know, uh, we move on into track nine. And frankly, I checked out, and I have no notes. Okay, well, this one was called Strange Man, and this one was indeed strange in the sense that it's got this interesting percussive guitar build-up with tense drums. It's doing all this. And then you've got this sort of odd chord sequence. It's a very 60s psychedelia thing, like um, the sort of thing Pink Floyd might do on the first um, record where they just shove a chord in that's like, whoa, that's the weird chord, okay. <laughs> um, like that's the trippy chord, you know? It's like 60s dark psychedelia. This for me does not quite work and doesn't quite fit with the other songs. Already the songs don't really fit with each other, but this is further out. Um, and I've put here... I guess maybe I realized slightly later than you, but it's like this record does not know what it wants to be. Like they're saying they're glam rock, but are they really, or are they just a bit of everything populist? And they just said glam rock because that was the big thing at the time. Um, yeah. And that was the slot with Slade, which they got, you know, um, it's like, they've got this psychedelic effect on the vocals in the chorus. And it's, this really is seven years out of date. It's like, you know, whoa, there's a strange man. We're all tripping. It's just, ah, I don't know, man. We're it all doesn't, tripping. I don't know. It, just, it feels like that. It feels like the, you can sort of see the, um, what do you call it? The uh, oil um, uh, projections on the screen and all that sort of mm. stuff. Um, yeah, so. and that's, and I mean, that's this album. Well, never mind. We still got two, we got two songs. Yeah, let's yeah. Okay, well, track 10, Ain't It Just Like a Woman. So this starts oh, with a, yeah, starts with the 60s psychedelia build-up. Again, harmony vocals that are very like the Beatles or the small faces. And we got we're, we're now in mid-60s territory, really. Um, so we're going even further back. It goes into a bluesy hard rock slash rock and roll riff with some Led Zeppesque vocals, and it's all right. Then we go to more psychedelic rock and yeah, it's okay. This, but it, it feels incongruous and all over the place. And there's, there's quite a nice solo with some psychedelic slide guitar. Um, but again, and this applies to a lot of the album, this would probably be great live in a, in 1973 in a pub, but it feels dated and unconvincing to, to hear it on a record. And even it feels dated for 1973, not just dated for now. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, I mean, 1973. Well, we. Uh, what else came out in 1973? 19. Uh, well, Dark Side of the Moon was two. Wasn't that 71 or was that 73? It was def. It was either 71 or 73. Was Dark Side of the Moon, wasn't it? See, so... 1973 hit records. Uh, mm-hmm. We're an American band. Chicago Charlie Rich. It was Dark Side of the Moon, 73. Was it Dark Side of the Moon? Yeah. Uh, Billboard, end of year. Oh, these are singles. So Chris Christopherson, Elton John. You know, Elton John's Crocodile Rock is one of the number one singles. I mean, yeah. we're, we're just looking at, we're, we're looking at a really odd. Uh, yeah. Oh, Smoke on the Water is this year. True. The cover of Rolling David Stone Bowie's, this David year. Bowie's done, done pinups. So it's interesting. David Bowie's done like all the big ones. Ziggy Stardust, done. Aladdin Sane, done. Well, actually, Aladdin Sane was 73, to be fair, as well. But it's like, um, 
you know, you, you've by, by the end of 73, Bowie's done all those big early 70s albums. And then he's on to like, oh, hey, I'm going to go a bit weird now and start doing Diamond right. Dogs and all that. So, yeah, we, we're getting past the early 70s. Um, we're basically done with the early 70s yeah. at this point. And they're, they're, and they're, but they're still in the mid 60s. And, you know, exactly. I'll, I'll say, I'll say this about this one. Didn't really much care for this song. And it had all of the mindset of B.B. King from 1962. Right. In terms of equality of the sexes. So yeah. skip that one, no matter what you do. Uh, then we get to the last one, which is the one about the Liggy and the Siggy or something. Uh, oh, Jordy lost Jordy's his Jordy's lost his Liggy, yeah. Uh, for me, it's, a, uh, you know, I'll say what, I, I'll just repeat what I said earlier. It's just very much reminiscent of that last song on Disraeli Years by Cream, where they're singing in the crazy accent and doing this traditional kind of thing. And yeah. it's like, oh, well, we need Sorry, yeah. we needed three more minutes. No, exactly. It's and it was a hit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The thing is, I can see how this would be fun in a pub again. But right. yeah, like... It's like the lyrics, you know, oh, Geordie's lost his Liggy, oh, Geordie's lost his Liggy, oh, Geordie's lost his Liggy along the Scotswood Road. And he couldn't find his Liggy, he couldn't find his Liggy, he couldn't find his Liggy along the Scotswood Road. Like, you get the idea. Well, he lost it down the netty. I don't know what the netty is. This is the thing, you get all this, um, all this, uh, all these dialect words uh, from the Geordie dialect so he got himself a post stick what on earth is a post stick see this is all strange but but this is the point it's one of those almost nursery rhyme type of traditional songs where they're repeating the same uh lines and it it concludes with it was in his bloody pocket it was in his bloody i'm not going to try and do the geordie accent that was horrendous it was but it was in his bloody pocket was the uh conclusion so he's found his liggy by the end and i can see how everybody's had about eight pints this is the end of the night they've gone off stage they've come back on for the encore this is newcastle but you know they've been listening to this very americanized um rock all night and then they go right come on guys let's celebrate our geordie heritage let's get a bit silly and let's and you can all sing along to this one you know you know it and if you don't know it you'll pick it up in five seconds because it keeps repeating all the same words so i can see that being quite a fun raucous end to a pub night out but yeah as the closing track of an album um in 1973 no. no it's silly it's nonsense no no and as we transition into the sum up for this week i mean I've, i think obviously i'm i think it's pretty clear where i'm at this is definitely a bennett for me it is uh but if they come to town go see them yeah, exactly. Look, I got to about track three or four and I was thinking, look, this is, I think this is still spin it because I kind of like it. I like what they're doing. I think they're very good at it. It's not, it doesn't blow my mind, but they're very good at it. And then I, and then I just thought, actually, as this goes on, no, this is getting more and more ridiculous. It doesn't know what it wants to be. Um, and although it's well played, no, there's, there's nothing that's good enough here. There's not one song really that's, that's great on it. That is a great way to describe this. It doesn't know what it wants to be, and it's never good enough at what it does. Yeah. But I, I suppose the one thing is that Brian Johnson's voice, I guess, is the one thing that's not stuck in 1965 on here and that stands out. Because, okay, you'd had 
a few singers with that sort of high voice, the Led Zeppelin uh, type of thing. And I guess he must have been influenced by Robert Plant. But even in glam rock, like this wasn't the dumb thing. So that's what was interesting and different and cool about this record. Um, but you don't need it anymore because you can go listen to him with ACDC. So you don't need to bother hearing him with. Yeah, that's, that, that's kind of the thing. There's you can you can hear him do it really well all the time in ACDC. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, yes, I haven't actually said, I'm a, yeah, I'm a binet. I, I, just to clarify, yes, I, this is a binet for me. All righty. That's all I have this week. Me too. Thanks Thank for listening. You. Thank you for listening. Please uh, rate and subscribe if you would be so kind. Have a great week, everybody. Catch you next week. Bye.